Hey guys, welcome to the Green Room Podcast of the Handshake Media Network. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Uh, and what better way to celebrate Valentine's Day than with Ben Stewart from Slowly Sully. Hey, hey Ben. Hey, man. How you going? How are you? I'm very good, thank you. I'm a little bit sweaty from running around in the Sydney streets. But y- yeah, you good. literally said you got, what, from the airport to here? Yes, yeah. And navigating Sydney is always fun. Because you're a Melbourne boy, right? Yes. Yeah, right, right, so are you not familiar with the Sydney streets? No, not at all. Like we, <laughs> we, yeah, we've, um, we've stayed like starting to, we've done enough touring now that we start to like know a little bit about like Glebe and so for in Glebe. I live can, in Glebe. Oh dear. Yeah. It's a lovely part of the world. Thank you. Um, so yeah, we can navigate that a little bit. We've stayed in Newtown quite a bit. So mm-hmm. there's that, um, anything outside those parameters and we're doing. Why Glebe? Out of curiosity. I think it was, we've played a bunch at the Lansdowne. Yep. it's quite yep. close so mm-hmm. um yeah we usually look for a com around there and we like to go to the market on the saturday morning do you really year. yeah well it's yeah. shit fight on saturday mornings it's to get crazy, around there so thanks a lot it? mate it's mental <laughs> yeah um now it's gonna get even worse yeah but you are in town obviously you're supporting trophy eyes with yep. your with your solo project there's a lot to talk about um so i mean let's start there uh, what you performed in Brisbane last night, Sydney tonight? Yes, yeah, we did um, the Triffid last night in mm-hmm. Brisbane. And how's that going? It was sick. It was so fun. Um, yeah, it was so so good. Um, love love the Trophy Eyes fellas and um, Blessed is their main support um, and an amazing band and such a good creative artist. So yeah, we're just lucky to be a part of it and yeah, it's definitely something new for me because I'm not playing guitar or anything. So feel a bit nudie rudy mm. up there but it's um it's a good challenge yeah it's crazy because it's like slowly slowly are still very much on the rise when bands kind of drift off and do their own side projects usually it's come at a time when they've achieved a lot of good things like you know the first one that springs to mind and i'm gonna always find a way to reference blink in this podcast yeah is simple creatures like and yeah. I'm, I, they played at good things mark hoppus alex gasgarth um you know obviously big names in their own right they played a festival like good things obviously the crowd is nowhere near as big yeah but i guess it's because they have that freedom where they can go fuck it let's start something new totally yeah. why did you want or need to to kind of do your own solo thing apart from slowly slowly i was just churning out like a lot of music that um and uh, I think it was like a healthy thing for slowly because cause I had such a high output. I think sometimes if you only have one project, you can get into the habit of um, shoehorning songs into being, because it's like, I, I guess you, you'd say slowly, slowly is alternative rock. What, like emo, like early 2000s. Like it has like a, a sound. And so I said Mayday Parade the very first time I saw you guys. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, that, like yeah a- <laughs> that vibe. Yeah, I love Made Parade. So I think it's like, it, it's um, it, it's easy to kind of, you take your song, like your lyrics, your melody and your chords and you can slowly fire it. And I didn't want to get into the habit of just like turning everything into a slowly song when there was a few different voices coming out in my writing. So yeah, had the different vehicle sort of come to mind. I, was, I had like a pile of songs and was talking to our manager, Sarah, and I was just like, I think I'm going to do do something else with these. Was she and the band all for it? Or were they like, settle down? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, they're, they're like um, so all for it. Like, yeah, they're, they're at all the shows and um, yeah, so all for it. They, they know that I've, like, it, they know it's more healthy for Slowly because I get to um, 
like the ones that are clearly slowly songs and like they can't fit anywhere else. Mm. So it's like they're always going to get them. So th- yeah, they love it. Because it feels crazy to think like, you know, as I said before, slowly, slowly are still on the rise. You guys are getting bigger. Fuck, each time I speak to you, you guys have ticked <laughs> off some crazy milestone. You're about to release a third album. That seems pretty far along for a band who is now starting to really pick up some fucking steam. Does it yeah, feel that yeah. way? Yeah, it definitely. Uh, yeah, we, we don't stop often enough to kind of smell the roses, I think. But um, yeah, um, uh, I like the high intensity of Slowly and how it's just gone from strength to strength. It's like it feels really good in the band and, and the shows feel really good. So I think um, no, no one's kind of running out of energy mm. yet. But yeah. Okay, for the most cliche question ever, I'm sure you've heard this a million times. What... Do you think then is the big difference between your solo project and Slowly Slowly? As far as you saying you have a lot of songs, do you know straight off the bat, oh, cool, this is for Slowly Slowly, this is for the solo project? Yeah, I guess there's like a very tiny grey area where they could kind of swing each way. But um, for the most part, if I write a Slowly song, like I know straight away. And um, yeah, I think the, the, the solo project was more about pushing myself um, and uh, expanding the way that I write songs and I've taken a lot of those tricks back to slowly and I think it's helped my writing um, for slowly, slowly. So, um, and I think the, the boys in slowly see that in like the writing and the way that everything's kind of tightening up and being a bit more succinct, um, you know, um, yeah, still, still focusing on the storytelling and things, but I don't necessarily think that it's you know has to go pop kind of thing but mm. but it, it's just nice to be flexing that muscle you know a little bit more often and i'm kind of like pretty go 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 person so um i think the boys like to have a bit of a rest mm. and then i'm happy to just turn to the next yeah project. i heard yeah. like who was it i think it like good things 2018 yep. stone sour on the podcast and they were like yeah so when Corey is in the stone sour cycle like he's all about stone sour he's writing music they're touring the second that they're done, like the day after, straight to Slipknot. Yeah. The guy doesn't have an off switch. Do you feel like you're kind yeah, of on that same trajectory? Yeah, that's 100%. I think my close family and um, people would definitely yeah, say that. Yeah. There's a lot of cons that come with that, but yeah. there's a lot of pros that come to him. And, and yeah, one of them is the high output, I guess. Mm. But do you I mean, does, is that the stuff that you really enjoy though? Or do you find yourself like writing music is something like you can't stop doing because it's just constantly in your fucking head. <laughs> um, I I really enjoy it. I like, I, I get up every day and that's just sort of what I want to do every day. So, I mean, and a lot of the days, uh, you know, something may not happen and, um, or, or what happens is utter shit. So mm. like, you know, it, it's, um, I think it's, yeah, it's just like you, you try and get into the state where you're, a little bit more like fluid and ideas are coming a little bit easier and it, it's just getting into that state quicker I mm. think is like the muscle that you flex when you're songwriting more of the time I used to think about it like it was a thing where lightning would strike and it was like you had to you had to wait for that and it wasn't up to you whether you wrote a good song that day but more often than not like it, even the songs that happen really quickly if you really investigate the themes ideas it may have stemmed from a line that you'd written two weeks ago mm. in a shit song that didn't turn into anything that you shelved. But this one line or sentence or motif has like spawned a little seed in your in your brain. And so 
I kind of view it like that. Like it, everything is working towards a goal, but um, but you just got to show up. And if you're not showing up, then that doesn't mm. happen. That even just reminds me, like, did you hear early in the week, like Foo Fighters have just finished their album? Yeah, right. And Dave rolled at this podcast and he was like, there are some songs on this record that we wrote, you know, recently in 45 minutes. And there are some songs that I have sat on for 20 plus years. Yeah. But you, I mean, obviously you're not old enough to be in that thing yet, but yeah. like, do you have songs where like you're pulling stuff out from when you were 15, 16 years old? Of course. Yeah. There's, or there's always like, I have like, there's, there's like maybe two or three songs that me and I wrote um, in the company of Alex, our bass player, like years, years ago. And um, they kind of resurge every once in a while and I kind of give them a new look mm. and I try and sell them to the band and, you know, that's uh, not quite there. But I feel like one day they'll, they will tick over. Because obviously bands evolve. Like when you guys were first starting out, like what were the bands that you guys were trying to emulate? Or like, this is what we want to sound like. These are our idols. Well, when we first started... Um, I mean, like, uh, it, it's a hard one because slowly was um, the way that I remember starting like songwriting was I, I had like all of these little garage band demos in high school, like early high school, and I like I, I was listening to rock bands and emo bands and stuff like that, but I I didn't have um, there weren't any artists in my catalog that were like. I guess, storytelling or Mm. it was more kind of like, you know, the pop rock stuff, the stuff that's like in your face when you're a kid. It's about being a teenager, sure. And I was doing sort of a bit more like obscure stuff and I didn't, like my my parents don't have like obscure taste. I wasn't one of those kids who grew up listening to like really obscure records who, oh, let me think about the giant (laughs) catalogue of amazing music I grew up with. I mean, I grew up with like the Bee Gees. So it's like... Yeah, same. Yeah. My parents don't know who the fucking Cure are. Yeah, Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, So I think like... I I was creating, I always had like such a love for language. So I had these songs like building up in the background, but never had anyone to liken them to. And then I found these like storytellers like, um, you know, Tim Rogers from UMI and and Kevin Devine and, and people like that. And they'd, they, they were really celebrated for their storytelling before they were celebrated for their vocal sound Mm. you know and it was like less of being a singer and being more of a storyteller or a songwriter and like the the obscurities in your voice or the way the obscurities of your mind and how you portrayed imagery was what what was your selling point and for me that was like a huge clicking moment and I fell in love with those artists and how they because it was a it opened up an entire different world to me and so when Slowly started and a lot of those songs off Chamomile and stuff have been sitting with me for a long time, they, like, I didn't have, like, many, like, straight-up idols or bands we were aiming for. Um, yeah. I guess it was all in retrospect. It was like, yeah. oh, this kind of sounds like this, mm. you know? And, uh, you know? But it wasn't, yeah. Didn't kind of set out for anything with that record and, I don't know, kind of it's gone off on its own little thing now and now now more than ever we kind of uh aligning with like a, a lot of the bands that then i found through later in high school and you know all through growing up in my 20s and so jimmy world and yeah you know all those fantastic more like mature emo yeah. bands yeah i guess so. like I that's a weird way to describe it like that's how i would describe jimmy world like yeah they still have that you know punk 
emo sound to them, but there's more to their music and lyrics. Yeah. It's not just about being dumped by the girl at high school. Completely. Yeah. And I was, drums is my first instrument, which I played like uh, my guitar and singing was almost a secret for oh, wow. for years and years. Like, so. Pretty slowly, you mean? Or? Um, yeah, yeah, pretty slowly. So like uh, didn't, didn't really do much um, publicly because it was, yeah, so. It was hard to get off the drum kit. Like I nerves, could, you mean? Or like just because yeah, you like really enjoyed nerves. drums, you didn't think about it? Uh, I think it was a bit of both. I really, I really enjoy like beating the piss out of a drum kit. So yeah. I was like a very aggressive drummer. And um, <laughs> and I think uh, that sort of, I guess was, you could see that I was like trying to get out from behind the drum kit because I was, I would railroad the shows <laughs> most of the time with their cymbals. So I think, um, uh yeah, that that played a huge part in it because I grew up then listening to a lot of tech music, um, and I loved like progressive rock and you know things like that as well as so I had this this storytelling thing. This lyric love was such a hidden part of me for so long. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's um, and when you mix with people um, who love like heavy heavy rock and and tech rock kind of thing, it's hard to be like. Here's this song about my parents' divorce. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, know, totally. Like, yeah. So it, yeah, it kind of like, yeah, it's um, I don't know, it's it's hard to. Well, and then we get to this point uh, where you're releasing the third album. It's out February twenty eighth. Yep. Uh, based on this press release, my friend, this seems to be the, the most personal to date. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. This is heavily about your twenties. Um, it is Valentine's Day, so let's get personal. Can I ask how old you are? I'm tw- I'm twenty nine. Oh, same. So 1990. Yeah, 1990. Yeah, cool. So when I, again, when I was reading this presser and you were talking about like how you learn in your 20s that I think one of the actual quotes was like, people don't give a fuck who you are or what you're doing. Tell me about what inspired, I guess, this album living through your 20s. What exactly are you referring to? With that one, I think I'm just getting at like, I think it's like easy in your in your early 20s and it's like, well not easy it's like it, it's it's sometimes all you all you have but like you kind of rest on that victim mentality when you th- because you have all these people that are kind of nursing you into the world still and like looking after you and um and, and you really and if you have that you're very lucky but um at the same time it that seems to fade in in your later 20s i don't know if you would agree but everybody starts to shoot off on their own trajectories and, you know, crazily. Yeah. yeah. People, people are working. Those people who in their early twenties made a poor decision and are working a job. They hate, like generally they click by sort of mm. mid to late twenties and you go, uh, that everybody goes off to chase their own dreams kind of thing. For you also find like the guy in your high school who was like probably like the most crazy loose guy was one of the first to settle down and have a child. <laughs> and now that guy has four kids. And you're like, what the fuck just happened? I actually deleted um, Facebook and personal Instagram and things like years oh, really? ago for that very purpose. I just, yeah. It's, but like that, that, that's, I think when I was reading that, those quotes from you, I was like, that's what rang true the most is these people that you, you grew up with. Things can change so fast. And like when I look back and think of like my teenage years to now, like obviously people change, people evolve. I don't think I've changed that much. Like, you know, I haven't had some kind of 360 turnaround where my life is on a completely different path. Yeah. Do you feel like yours has? Um, it's I, like I a Dr. Phil session. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's always been, I think, on this trajectory. 
to do this. I mean, I love it. Like I have, I have like severe tunnel vision with like what I like doing. And if I don't like doing something, I'm very bad at it and I'm very defiant and disobedient. So I've never done very well at any jobs that weren't just writing music or, or teaching music. So, um, yeah, but I guess it, 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 I felt in the last couple of years and since I was instilled with confidence around slowly because we're getting all this external validation, which is lovely from fans and, um, as you said, like some awesome milestones that mm. we can sort of, you know, hold on to. It's been like a lot easier to trust my gut and run towards it um, rather than I think like it's easy to when you have this sort of pipe dream you kind of you can talk about it really candidly like oh yeah i'm kind of doing that and like deep down you really want it but you'd never say that out loud yeah because like it's a lot to admit and i think this record uh, for me like a huge part of it is admitting that and just being it was throwing myself in the deep end of writing for for this record so this album i guess putting into a sentence what is race car blues about for you could have a different meaning for the bandmates, but for you. Yeah, well, it has like a few different um, narratives, I guess, on the on the record. I don't think I could sum the whole record up, but say the song Race Car Blues, like... Which, by the way, that's like, and I think you said it, that's your favourite song, right? Like, That's my favourite. Straight away, that yeah. song is like, this is going to be like, in 20 years' time, that song is going to be like the fucking encore song, I reckon. Thank you, yeah. <laughs> I, really, that's, I really appreciate that because I was, I was really hoping that what I felt when I wrote it and when we recorded it was going to translate because it was so visceral like mm. when we when we captured it. So it's really good that it translates. But um, yeah, um, like that, that song for me just centers around like that tunnel vision I was talking about and, and I guess I had this vision of like a, like a, something that's purpose built and I came to mind like a race car and it's like, you only get to race like a few years, I don't know, a few for a few years, but only a few days of the year. Mm. You know what I mean? And it was like, that's sometimes a bit of a burden to wear, you know? And it's, um, and I guess I was playing that off against the pros and cons that come with that and like how it's impinged my personal life. And, um, you know, it, it it's, it's like, a, you know, without sounding like a bit, of a sook it's a, like a bit of a cross to bear when you are like obsessively creative because mm. it's um it's something that can really like take its toll on all sorts of things but yeah it's about that i don't know it's hard for me that song i've explained it um we've been doing like a, a few interviews um around the record and i'm trying to wrap my head around how to say it but i think it's for me that song still feels cryptic like I listen to it and I get something different from it mm. at different times and in different moods. So, and I kind of like that. And I think, yeah, it just, for me, it sounds like my life. Like I listen to that song and it has, I get these montages, you know, mm. and I, I don't know. So it is cryptic for me. So I'm sorry, I can't give a, a concrete answer. It's not about like one specific moment or anything yeah. like that, but it was, it, I felt like it sort of pinpointed where I am at on the map at the moment. Yeah. Does, does, Things feel like they're changing internally in the band. I don't mean like fucking infights. Yeah. But like the, the more success you guys get, the bigger your shows are. And again, we've just talked about how shit changes in your 20s. Are all the other guys in the same kind of age group as you? Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. Um, Albert's the youngest in our band. Like, are, are those kind of things having an effect on your music as well? Like, how drastically are the other guys' lives changing? Um, I, I think, like, in terms of their personal lives, not too much. We're just, we're still, um, no one's had anything crazy happen, mm. but uh, it's been, it's, it's funny, like, when the whole world is shut out and you're sitting in the van, just as the four of you, it's the same four idiots like from years mm. ago you know and that's it's just a that's a really nice thing and so like when we got in 100 this year last year, hottest 100? This year? it was this year i mean shit. the 2019 hottest 100 that happened last month yeah congratulations yeah, sorry. yeah thank you <laughs> um so when we got in the 100 like we'd we'd agreed to play a show the day of the 100 up in newcastle because i thought it would be best to either you know celebrate or drown sorrows either way like you know <laughs> yeah. it'd be nice to just be together yeah and um, yeah, that was a perfect example of that. We just, when we found out, we're all sitting in the van together. And I think if we were at home, we would have been pulled apart and by loved ones and stuff at, at a party or something like that. So being um, all together like that, we still like, we still have so much fun, just the four of us. Which is a really great thing, right? It's unreal. Like I can't, yeah, like it, they're my best friends. So yeah. having um, that band dynamic, like that's, from when I started the band, so I had a few like sour experiences in other bands and things like everybody does. But I think I went in with the, a very firm expectation that f- the friendships would come first. Mm. Um, and that's carried on until now. And I think it's been a huge reason why everybody in the band is so selfless and they want it to win for, you know, not for personal reasons, but just for the, better of the group mm. and so yeah it's it's really nice it's a nice time on tour does it surprise you at all like when you look at some of these bands that you tour with bands like red hot chili peppers yeah who i mean for the most part flea chad and anthony have been together for fuck knows how many years 25 plus yeah. years do you see how those guys interact like do you when you're backstage do you see that and think oh shit this is how our group dynamic works and how it works for so long yeah i think um it's uh I'm always obsessed with our group dynamic. It's funny you're talking about this because I like, I made everybody do like a personality test in the... Um, like a like a made up one or like one on the internet where it's like, you're a... Yeah. I'm, I'm fu- futuristic. <laughs> I, no, I didn't. Ma- I made them do the Myers and Briggs. Is it Myers and Briggs? I, I have no idea. I hope I'm not getting that wrong. All I got told is like, essentially, I'm a dreamer and I'm futuristic. It, in a nutshell, it says nothing you want to achieve will happen. You're a <laughs> yeah, mug. You're a visionary. <laughs> yeah, I'm a visionary of things that will never be eventuated. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm sure they'll actualize. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, I made him. I made him do that, and um, uh, yeah, I just uh, it, it, I ask a lot of people who tour with us, like photographers or um, like a sound person, always like getting. I want to know, like, what are we like compared to other bands? Like, what? As in, like, as people, you mean? As people and, like, yeah. what do we like to tour with? And, like, I love finding out how other bands are like on the road and what they're like mm. behind closed doors and stuff. So, you know, we always talk about that. And people, they, the recurring sentiment seems to be that we're just, like, really silly. And, like, there's a lot of laughs. Um, and, you know, we're not, like, a band that parties super hard. Mm-hmm. I think, like, a lot of bands have a reputation of doing that. We're not, like, we'll pick our moments definitely on tour, but that's not really our shtick. We'll, we'll laugh till like my stomach hurts, like sober in the van, you know, like it's fine. Mm. So pretty silly 
And I think that is a huge, that like jovial childish thing is what has like really glued us together because it's not about like getting fucked up and yeah. it's, it's not about like, and we don't get real gross the next day and you know, it's just nice. We're just, yeah. I don't know. I don't want to make it sound too like Sunday school, but <laughs> it's like, it's a good vibe with yeah. us. Yeah. Cause I was going to say like when I think of all the, the bands or actors or whoever I've had on this podcast, you generally get a vibe almost immediately. Like, are these guys still friends? Yeah. Is this now just a job where it's like a, you know, we're together and it's fun, but the second this tour is over, we're the f- getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. But I'd like, I remember Melancholin on. I think I've told this story in the podcast before. You know Melancholin? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, so I had uh, the Eric frontman and the guitarist, mm-hmm. and they were just chatting about tour life and, Essentially what they do, you know what they do. They record an album, they tour for two and a half, three years, and then they just take a break and they go again. And they, that group, I think the four, four of them, have not split up since day dot. And I was kind of like, what's the magic behind that? And they just said, deadpan, we don't see each... I can't do the Swedish accent. They said, <laughs> we, don't, we don't hang out. I'm yeah. like, what do you mean? They're like, so we tour together. We love life. We make music. It's great. The second that tour is done and we go home, we don't talk until wow. it's time to make music again. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah, right. cause at some point when you, when you start a band, I imagine that happens out of friendship. And like, they were adamant. They're like, we're still the best of friends. We're brothers. But when you've been doing it this long, like you, you've been in each other's pockets yeah. for however long. Totally. And you know, second blink reference to the podcast, Mark famously said when Tom left the band, like imagine being in the same van with your best friend for 20 something years. Like you grow up, you grow apart. Mm. So I think like it's like, you know, we laugh that you're obsessed with the group dying, but I think that's important. I think it's really important. Yeah. And especially the more success you guys get, which, you know, I'm not a fortune teller, but it's looking promising for you. Well, thanks, mate. Like that's, that is important because you do see, and I think again, I've had podcasts, I'm not going to name names, but like I said, they'll come in and they, they can be smug or that you can just tell like there's something that's happened in the last couple of years where they've achieved what they want to achieve and now they're almost in pilot mode. Yeah. Just this is no longer fun. Out. Yeah. 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 And I think that's kind of scary. So I think it's great that you keep addressing the group dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Always trying to do that and um, make sure everybody's feeling involved and stuff like that. Is everyone, does everyone like participate in those conversations building or are they like, fuck off, Ben, we don't care. We don't take I get your told stupid to shut up a lot in the van. <laughs> um, so like, you're like the talker of the group. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm like quite, um, extroverted and pretty ADD most mm. of the time. So you've caught me pretty <laughs> slack at the moment <laughs> because I'm super tired because we got like three hours sleep last night. But yeah, yeah, I'll, um, yeah, I, I'm pretty hypo. Everybody is always telling me to calm down and sit still and because um, I drink like a lot of coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always bouncing off the walls. Murph will always get like a drummer pat, like always get like a bit scared before the show if I'm a bit hypo and he'll say you've got that twinkle in your eye and I'm a bit scared about what's gonna happen what's the, what's when you the twinkle <laughs> when i was just gonna like, throw a guitar at someone's head i keep a, i went through a stage where i was just jumping through the drum kit at him and like <laughs> just knocking him over and it was like i did it in a couple of places where behind him was just like a a fall yeah so <laughs> you know, he, he just barely managed to stay on the seat so, yeah uh yeah i love fucking with murph Correct me if I'm wrong, in the lead up to this, uh, when the album got announced alongside the tour, which you're touring in April, congratulations, you. Um, you mentioned that like y- you used to, and get, correct me if I'm wrong here, 
you used to not enjoy playing live or playing live used to kind of be a bit daunting for you. Is that right? Yeah. I, I was, I always like, this was super panic stricken, like mm. coming up to shows. And if we had a home show, like even up to when we were like released aliens, um, which was sort of early on just before St. Leonard's came out, like we played like around the corner from my house really at the, at a venue called Howler. I still remember like going home and just like sitting in the shower for like an hour before, like before I had to leave to walk on stage kind of thing. Cause it was just like so busy in my head and feeling so anxious about it all. But yeah, I think I just, I was always have been like really hard on myself. So I think it's managed to curb that and use it for good now. Mm. But um, live in, in terms of like playing live now, I am like, love it. It's like my favorite, favorite thing to do ever. Well, so. those early days though, what you mentioned before about that transition between being a drummer and now becoming a vocalist and songwriter. I think so. Yeah. Just singing and singing is like such a personal thing. You know, if someone says, I don't, didn't like your snare roll or I didn't like that riff that you played. It's so much easier to brush off than like, I don't like the voice that's coming out of your body mm. and like, or I didn't like those lyrics that came from your heart. So that, that hurts you, know? you way. Like if, so if you showed me a song, it would hurt you way more me saying those lyrics aren't great as opposed to being your voice is terrible. Yeah, like that. I, I think <laughs> both would hurt. <laughs> but like, I think... Um, that was an example, by the way. I yeah. don't feel that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think that... It, it's it's a it's a vulnerable space when you're singing to people like it's why when people go to sing and they don't do it much in front of others that voice shakes and you know mm. you get these like physical impingements that stop you from being able to like do what you were doing 20 minutes ago in your bedroom you know so it's it's really um it's a daunting thing but learn to control and curb that and a huge i owe that all to the lovely people that come to our shows that made me feel so comfortable on stage so um and now, now I love it. Now I absolutely love it. I'm always looking for like new stupid things to do to keep it interesting. So, mm. yeah. So what do you want to tick off now? I mean, like crazy, ridiculous, far off example, like Coldplay did a recent interview and Chris Martin was like, we don't really have anything else we want to accomplish. Like, do you guys have particular goals? Like we want to achieve this, whether it's in a year, whether it's in 10 years, like these are things we want to have done. Yeah, I, th- I just have this... This is like where the, the futuristic and you can come out now. Yeah. Go crazy. Headline Glastonbury. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd love to, like, expand Head- our following, like, so that when we go overseas, it feels like home. Because that's, in a small way, we've sort of moved our template that was only in Melbourne around the country now. So when we go to Perth or, we, you know, we go up to Brisbane or here in Sydney, like, we feel like at home now like we see all these familiar faces at the shows and we've got all these friends and it's like yeah i, I would love that to, to, to move that overseas mm. like in terms of like growth for the band like i think that'd be really cool because it's just you can be more busy then because you can tour more but um i just have this reoccurring thing about having like a body of work that i'm really proud of and that's something it's it's kind of a bit of a doomsday attitude but i like the having um you're like your legacy before you before you leave the earth mm. and having like some albums that people can like you know stumble on long after i'm gone that people can enjoy and go down the rabbit hole with so yeah i'm always just about i you know when i plot the track listing for 
the new album, say, or like even more future songs that I've got for the next album, like after Race Car, I've got them all in a list, like with all of Chamomile and St. Leonard's, like wow. above them. It's because I'd like to look at it as like a whole body of work. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, if, if, for gun to your head, you had to produce another album tomorrow, are there enough songs? up your sleeve that you could make another album tomorrow if you absolutely had to. I just handed in all the demos for the next one. Fuck! After Race Car, yeah. Do you know when you want to release that? Um, I have no idea. But we'll, we'll obviously be workshopping. Like, yeah. this is just, like, the first batch, but, um, well, it's not, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, I, I think I felt really safe for a long time because I had Race Car sitting there in the barrel and I knew that it was an album that, was really honest, a good representation of our band. And I felt safe knowing it was there. You know, we were riding this kind of like jellyfish wave and then, um, you know, we were kind of cookie crumbling with a bit of creature and safety switch and things. And having that there in the canon, like having the album there, I was like, okay, we're cool for like a few months. Like I've got this up our sleeves. We'll do the album tour. It'll be really fun. But the, the day I handed it in, I felt like I had the rug pulled out under me. And I was like... Why's that? Because I didn't have it anymore. And I was like, well, what happens after race car? Yeah. And it was like a real doomsday thing, like someone who collects like canned food. I was <laughs> like, what the fuck? I've got no songs, man. Yeah. So um, I went like deep into writing mode and I've got a spare room at my house with all my music gear in it. I was just in there fucking in my undies and my moccasins for like weeks and... Didn't shower. <laughs> didn't shower, didn't eat, just drank black filtered coffee and <laughs> bounced off the walls but um yeah so yeah yeah we'll be we'll be right for a, a long time with songs that's great man. yeah i mean this might be an unanswerable question but discussing your legacy and this album being the most personal so far for you where do you think race car blues or where do you hope race car blues will sit in your legacy Ooh, what do you want this album to be remembered for i think and your opinion i'm sure will change in the next week yeah wow that's a a really hard question um yeah there's i think this is the album where we were more diverse than ever before and i think there's a few different voices um on this record that showcase the umbrella of slowly slowly growing a little bit so i feel like this one will be the one where people talk about where those foundations were laid and then we were able to... So a springboard, I think, is what I'd best describe it as. Mm. I had to pick a metaphor. So, yeah, a springboard, this one. This is where the one where we really came and stepped into our own shoes a bit. Are there any extra nerves about this album coming out or more just pure excitement? Just pure excitement with this one. I like, I'm like. i really proud of it. The boys, we all worked really hard on it. The mix engineer, Malcolm... Um, He's, he's amazing. Um, he plays drums in Northeast Party House. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yep. yeah. Um, Malcolm Besley. Yeah. Beasley. So, um, yeah, he uh, did such a great job with the mixing. And um, Joel, who recorded the drums at Black Lodge. Like, we just spent we spent a lot of time on this. Like, there's a lot of hours. It makes me sick when I think about it. <laughs> but, but, like, yeah, we tried really hard to make it balanced. And we've got some surprises for later in the year. Um I think, yeah. Like what? 
Oh, I can't even say I'll get in so much trouble, but I'm so excited. I just want to tell everyone. But Every time I do a podcast and someone has a secret, I just say, you're recording with Ed Sheeran. And they go, yeah, let's say that. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's say that. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, race car will be, will be a cool campaign. There's like some surprises later in the year for it. So it's awesome, man. Cool to... Yeah. And Groove in the Mill as well with the April shows, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely nuts. We'd like, we were massaging the album dates and then it kind of, yeah, we, we were, had Groove and came about and it was just, oh my God, this is the exact same time, but they're, they're all rural, like apart from Adelaide being in, um, in Adelaide CBD. Yeah. So, so just like slotted in and usually we, we do like a capital city tour and then a rural tour, but it was like, fuck, we're going on. Let's are you just going to international tour dates after the April Australian shows or are you going to be doing more Australian? I don't have anything um, locked in at the moment, but yeah, I'm really excited this year to get overseas and, and see how we go. Hopefully, yeah. yeah, maybe. We've never been overseas, so it'd be nice to maybe do, I don't know, the UK or New Zealand first or something like that. Yeah. It'd be really nice. Well, dude, thank you so much for coming by. No We're really fucking excited to hear the album. It is called Race Car Blues, and it is out on the 28th of February, followed by a big tour in April, as well as Groove in the Mood. Check out themusic.com.au for all of the dates. Ben, thank you so much, man. really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for we'll having me. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Bye. Thank you again for listening. If you like what you hear, check out the Handshake Media Network on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud, and check out some of our other shows, including Two Truths and a Lie and A Matter of Faction. We'll see you all next week.